Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. It's the most anticipated WNBA season in history. And you know what that means. Court is back in session. Welcome to Queens of the Court, an Odyssey original podcast. I'm your girl, Cheryl Swoop, And I'm Jordan Robinson. All WNBA season long, we'll be bringing you interviews with star athletes, analysis on your favorite teams, and lots of hot takes. Order, order in the court. Follow and listen to Queens of the Court on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. It's time to take command with former NFL tight end Logan Paulson and former Commander's Beat reporter Craig Hoffman. It's the Take Command podcast from Odyssey Sports. Craig Hoffman, Logan Paulson. He played in the league. He's still doing analysis. He's out there at practice each and every day at training camp. I, uh, I just sit in the studio and talk into microphones and uh, try to make sense of it all. But that's all right. I used to cover the team. Uh, I, I, and to be honest, Logan, I miss training camp a little bit. As hot mm. as it is out there, uh, the amount you get to see, I'm, I might just have to make a trip to Ashburn soon. I might have to leave the comfort and air conditioning of this very nice studio and make a trip out to Ashburn. You should definitely do that, bud. They, they miss you out there, I think. You think? You're, don't, don't bother asking around. I don't, we I can just leave that, we'll as, uh, we can <laughs> leave that as a hypothesis, uh, <laughs> not to be tested. But the main story today is that Dan Snyder has testified behind closed doors for the House Oversight Committee. The thing is, though, there's not really anything to talk about with it on the podcast because it was behind closed doors. There was actually no information that's come out. In fact, as we're recording this live right now, we actually haven't heard that this testimony has ended. So if there is still news repercussions, reverberations from that, we will talk about it on Monday's pod. And of course, we will have reaction live on the radio, on Hoffman's show. Uh, but it's here. It is here. It is time for football. There, you got two practices under your belt uh, as we record this on Thursday afternoon. And, Logan, I think in the spring, what was really interesting was seeing how this offense gelled together. Terry wasn't even there yet, but you saw Carson picking things up quickly. Jahan looked amazing. You know, you have all these different pieces, and you're going, wow. And then here we are, two days into training camp, and the defense from everything that I've read and everything that we've talked about off the air that we're now going to bring on it, defense has been crushing it. Yeah, defense has been crushing it. And I, I don't think it would be as surprising if they had looked better during OTAs and minicamp, but they just looked so out of sorts uh, during that period that you kind of thought, man, this is this group is much farther behind than, than I would have thought at this point of year. But then they come into training camp and it's like a totally different animal, totally different ball of wax. Like, the first day was okay, but today was a dominant performance by that group. I mean, they, they put in some more aggressive aggressive coverage shells, and what I mean by more aggressive coverage shells, they're in more man, more blitz packages, things like that that kind of heat up the offense that are a little bit more high risk defensively. So when I saw that, I just was like, holy cow, it just didn't feel like the offense had 
a good answer. And sometimes that happens when you're installing, right? Because offenses kind of abide by, as you know, kind of a day one install, which is very basic. Day two install, which is a little bit more advanced, but still very basic. And so sometimes you don't have the protections in to accommodate some of these rushes and you haven't repped it enough to accommodate that. And so today you definitely saw that. But I think the important variable to take away when looking at the defense today specifically is that the coverage really matched up with the rush. They knew the mm. pressures were coming. They didn't like get in these crazy deep back pedals. There wasn't a ton of space. They understood the timing that the ball would need to be out in, and it allowed them to play it a really, really dramatic way. And I just look at like William Jackson the third, a guy that had a rough spring, and today he was very competitive. Kind of, I don't want to say glove and Terry up, but you know, like I said, it's not Terry one on one with. Jackson, it's Jackson understanding that the pressure and the rush is going to get home and he doesn't need to abide by this crazy vertical speed that Terry's presenting him. So that was awesome. And then again, Benjamin St. Juice is another guy that I think a lot of fans heard from OTAs and he has just kind of kept that momentum into the spring. Like today he had an excellent uh, one-on-one with Jahan where Jahan ran an excellent route. He just uses a little bit of length, a little bit of tug and is able to make the throw tough for um, Carson. But then the next play, this is what's so fun about training camp. The next play, Jahan or uh, Benjamin St. Juice is in Jahan's pocket and Jahan makes a tremendous circus catch on a man beating concept uh, for a huge play. So there was some positive lights for the offense, but I felt like the rush was just so dynamic today. It was just the pressures were hitting home. Some of those were mental mistakes by the offensive line and some of it was just literally being outmanned and outmatched defensive yeah. personnel to offensive line personnel. So that's kind of where I want to then double click where, where we, we fill in the, the details is why is this happening, right? There, yeah. There's personnel, there's scheme, there's, you know, I'd say defensive personnel excelling, offensive personnel potentially making mistakes, and there's scheme uh, that can contribute to all of this. I always look at scheme first when it comes to training camp because, sure. like you said, offense, if they're on day one and defense is like, nah, let's have some fun today, which <laughs> is something that you know, obviously is, is signed off on by the head coach, it's, you know, I think I think Ron would be pretty ticked if Jack just ruined practice by throwing out every blitz pack. It's like, ah, we're gonna pretend it's third down on every down. Like <laughs> that, that doesn't really help your football team. So it, it's it's all part of a, a larger plan and, and seeing how Carson and the offensive line. And by the way, uh, we should mention uh, from a news front right before we started recording, Chase Rouille was activated off the pup list, so he should start oh. making his way back into. The lineup. Who was even playing center today, and, and what did you see in terms of the communication between Carson and whoever that was? Yeah, so that was really interesting too, because you know the the starting lineup has been Cosme at right tackle, uh, Trey Turner at right guard, Wes at center, who's done a great job at that, filling in for Chase, Norwell at left guard, and then uh, Charles Leno at left tackle. And Charles Leno's like a ten year vet, so his play and practice is is on a pitch count almost every single day, right? And it was a little warm out there today, so I think they were being cognizant of that. But Trey Turner went down, I want to say, within the first 30 minutes of practice. And so then they kind of had to go into this great shuffle. And I think that is also part of the reason why um, practice was a little bit disconjointed from an offensive standpoint, because then you take Wes and you bump him to guard. And Wes is a fine guard, but he hasn't got any reps at guard. He did the entire OTA and minicamp period playing center, every single rep. So now he's playing guard. He's done that before. That's fine. But then you bring in Ishmael to play center, right? Norwell's the left guard. And who, by the way, who, is not your third center or your second center. He's your fourth he's center. Just, yeah, Because right. Tyler Larson's also on PUP, and he would be ahead of Ishmael on, on the depth chart. 
So that's kind of, again, that's a big lift. And then Norwell, who is also a veteran, is also on a pitch count. So you get like a rotation there of Norwell for some periods, but Sadiq Charles and um, uh, Chris Paul kind of backs up all three, uh, both guard spots. And then, and then Leno's out. And so usually if Leno's kind of taking a vet day, that's not a big deal. It's not a big deal at all. But because, um, what's his name? Not Sadiq. Cornelius Lucas. Backup, Cornelius Lucas is out. Then that yeah, begins he's on the, gets a little the non-football injury list, but he was at practice today, so we'll see. He's at practice. If he starts. Yes. He, he starts getting back involved. And, you know, he's got to be activated in play, but like he was at least around the club today. Sure. And so all of a sudden, this offensive line, which was very dynamic, very consistent through OTAs and minicamp, is now kind of a I don't want to say complete mess, but everyone's playing a new spot outside of Cosme for the most part. So obviously, that's a big deal when it comes to protection issues. And you know, this year uh, I've I've talked to some coaches. Um, they're not having the quarterback call the protections, so it's the center calling the protections. And obviously, if you get a new person in there doing that who hasn't had a ton of reps at it, on a day where they're bringing a little bit more pressure than you probably expected at this point in the offseason, it gets a little bit dicey very, very quickly. So I think that was a huge a huge component because you know you can't hit the quarterback in practice but it's tough to make a good read when Payne beats the guard on a quick swim and it's like literally standing right in front of you like you just can't see the field so you make some weird decisions you throw the ball when you shouldn't and I think that was a huge huge part of it just kind of the musical chairs on the O-line get new people calling protections and then you could just tell that some of the new guys just didn't get exactly what they should be doing Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, and the thing is, like you said, like Payne has a great day and has looked good through these two days. Well, that's one of the best interior D linemen in football. Like he's a first right. round pick who's had really, really, a really successful young career so far. Is in line for a huge contract next off season, and he's going against the fourth string center, the second string guard, uh, or maybe the third string guard who hasn't played a lick of guard in a year basically so it's not a fair fight at that point and when your your quarterback is still learning the system and worried about other stuff maybe he's not as available to help with protect or not as maybe not as available not as capable to help with protection yet because it's his second day of training camp in this system there's just a lot of factors that can certainly explain this but it we say all that and it's still different results than we saw in the spring like all those things yeah, were pretty true in the spring as well, and and I think that's the interesting thing is like, okay, sure, but in the spring the offense still won. So this is I think obviously a great time for the defense, even as explainable as it is for the offense. And I think you bring up two really good points there. One, I feel like Payne is a man on a mission, and he and he is quite frankly his mission is to get paid a lot of money, right? So he has come out and he just seems to be. He's always been good, but he just seems to be a little bit more motivated this year. And obviously, when you get a motivated pain, that's a scary proposition because he's 330 pounds and he moves with a quickness that is very unique for a man of that size. And second, I think 
this so when Jack was in minicamp, I think we remember talking about it on this podcast before, is that the defense started to improve. And one of the things Jack did in that period was he started bringing a lot of pressure during that phase. And I feel like he just was like, maybe this is the solution. And that kind of pressure philosophy has carried over into now. A lot more games, a lot more pressures, a lot more aggressive coverages today. And the offense, as a result, is just a little out of sorts. And this was the same thing that was out of sorting them during minicamp when the entire offense is in. So maybe this is something that needs to be evaluated in terms of what they want to do and how they handle some of these protection looks. And it's good it's happening now because you can get you yeah. can develop answers for it. Right. Is this something that, for the defense, though, is sustainable? Because it, it could be a solution mm-hmm. against this offense, but if this is the only way they can play, you get a, I don't know, a, a Chiefs, a Packers. I'm trying to think who's actually on the schedule. You get a team. Uh, yeah. Those two teams I don't think are on the schedule this year. They Minnesota, year. Tennessee. Uh, so, yeah. But you, one uh, of those uh, you get a quarterback. You know, And look, you know, as we talked about the Warren Sharp a couple weeks ago, like, they're set to play one of the worst slates of quarterbacks you can play in the NFL. They're still all NFL yeah. quarterbacks, but it's not like you're playing Rodgers, Mahomes, and, and the, the rundown of guys you played last year. But you do get someone who knows how to get the ball out quickly if you're super reliant on pressure and knows where the solutions are, uh, as opposed to a quarterback who eventually, we hope, certainly knows those things for the commander's sake, but is still very new in his offense, and and that's not going to be this... The, like, this can't be the only way they can play. So I guess I'm, I'm asking, like, how how sharp is this double edged sword? Great for now, but do they need to have more solutions? Other th- are they just going to be a pressure team and you live and die by the blitz? And hopefully, you live more than you die. Well, actually, I think you know I think that's a really good question because it's really hard to know for sure because of the the flux on the offensive line today. I think that was something that was more significant. The more I think about it, the more I talk through it with you, it's a huge variable, right? So even some of the the, the games that they're running, you know, the TEs, so. You know, the, the tackle picking for the end coming underneath or the end picking for the tackle or the two tackles picking for each other on pass rushing downs becomes very, very effective against guys who don't work together that often, right? And right. Uh, and there were the times where it just looked like the offensive line just couldn't, it just wasn't capable of handling it, right? So again, that helps with some of that stuff because one of the things they did early last year in the season is they came out saying, we're going to create pressure, we're going to play aggressive coverages, and the pressure didn't match the coverage philosophy. And I think that's something that you saw today, how it, how it all meshes together. But I, you bring up a good point. Is that because the offensive line's kind of eh? Or is that because that the coverage on the back end was better? And I think it's probably a little bit of both. I think the coverage has looked better. They've looked more confident in the back end, which is a huge variable. But also, like today, the rush was just kind of... I don't want to say... I don't want to like overhype it, but it was like ne- like out of this world. Like It's something that is not sustainable, right? But I think because the coverage is better maybe that helps the rush. You know, everyone talks about the rush helping the coverage. Does that make sense? Maybe this is yeah. the, the reverse of that. Yeah. Uh, on the, the rush front, who looked good? Um, and is there anybody on the edge that is amongst that group that's going to need to replace Chase Young if he misses time at the beginning of the year? Yeah, I think that was the interesting thing today is I think there was a lot of mental mistakes <clears throat> where you did get free runners. Um, so, like, James Smith-Williams had, like, three or four pressures today three of the four run block like he was just running straight to the quarterback Montez worked good Cosby's done a great job against Montez I love that matchup every single day they're just both making each other better and for the young butt to come out there and compete against a guy who's probably gonna have 10 plus sacks this year I think is pretty impressive but again they they got got Cosby and the guard uh Wes Schweitzer because they don't work together that often and I think it was uh Cosby and Sadiq in this particular instance got got on a pick play which Montez did a great job Bullying the inside shoulder of Cosme, 
into into um, into Sadiq's shoulder, and the tackle's able to loop around and get a sack. And so again, like that's just kind of the level it was at today. Everybody was doing a great job. Um, one of the uh, William Bradley King, he had an interception today on a drop. You know, again, like that's just kind of how the day went. Everybody looked good. Every every all the defensive line looked good. Linebackers looked good. Secondary looked good, and the offense looked out of sorts outside of a couple of plays. I actually thought in team run today, the offense did a really nice job. They installed some like gap kind of power uh, pulling kind of stuff, and I think they there were some lanes there. Nothing big, but it looked sharp. And then they got in the pass game, and the offensive line just it just couldn't hang. You know, I just felt like the defense came out with better energy. They looked fresher, and I, that's a huge part of it. So in terms of sustainability. And in terms of who looked good, it's really hard to take like, oh, these guys look good because a lot of them were just running free to the quarterback half the time. So tough deal today for the offense. 